on this episode. Yeah, this this year's going down in history. Uh, for good or for bad, right? <laughs> oh, for, I think at this point it's got to be bad. Uh, we still got, what, fucking four months left? We could turn this shit around. I was going to say, we could turn this shit around. Office. This year, unless they come out with the cure for baldness, it's going to be a bad fucking year. <laughs> uh, what, yeah, then we're all they, handsome? If they, do, That's not fair. if they do, I'm chalking this up as a win. everybody and welcome to another episode of No Country for Middle-Aged Men. I'm your host Mark Pearson and my first co-host is salting his steak with lithium and my second co-host is still down in a hole considering his next unplugged comedy routine. Their names are Juan Smith and Adam Radliff. And yeah, we also have a special guest today, a uh, literal starving artist, Nolan Bishop. What's up? Do you I like how you make it literally starving. Literally. Like, this guy looks healthy. I don't know if he looks like he's starving. <laughs> I, he, he I, looks mean, wait, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I saw him, he's like, I weigh 145. And I was like, damn. <laughs> wait, didn't you say you're 6'3? 6'4. 6'4. Maybe he is starving. Jesus. So my food stamps came in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, I actually you look a heck of a lot different without that beard too. Oh yeah, so I was, <laughs> he's way too good looking to be on this podcast. Some <laughs> 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 fucking ghoulish motherfucker. You know, I, I didn't want you guys to feel weird, so I got a buzz a few days ago. Uh, this is grown in already. It's so annoying. I'm Solidarity, appreciate that. Uh, yes. I don't care about you guys. So real uh, quick before we get into things, uh, everybody out there listening, you can find us on Facebook.com/slash No Country Podcast. You can find us to inter- on Instagram at No Under underscore country underscore podcast. We're also on Twitter at podcast underscore country. You can email us at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 346-291-0050. Once again, huge shout out and thank you to our marketing department over at helps2.com. Uh, Amber and Marte will treat you right. If you want to invest in some good marketing, talk to them. And finally, Juan had a, he wanted to, you know, throw a shout out to a, another artist and a, uh, I, I don't know the story. Kind on of this a one. fuck you, Nolan. Like, uh, we finally have an artist on and he's like, you know what? I'm going to mention some other artist that's more important to me, but go ahead, Juan. Just go ahead. <laughs> no, that's uh, just real quick. It was uh, I, I had uh, someone who's making me a, a custom pair of Air Force Ones, an artist, and I had basically went an auction on this, and then it didn't go through. So I commissioned them to uh, do something of their own, you know, whatever. And I told the artist a bunch about myself and uh, sent like photographs and stuff. Told like some of my music. Uh, favorite music artists and stuff. And mm-hmm. we've been going back and forth for a couple of weeks and she had to order the shoes and everything and get the paints ready. But uh, anyway, so she started on the shoes, I guess yesterday and she's, I don't know what they look like yet. Cause I gave her like free reign, but it's inspired by some of my favorite musical artists. So, uh, but if you want to see any of her work, it's art by Stanger, like hanger. It's uh, S T A N G E R at Twitter or Instagram. And uh, she's an aspiring uh, shoe customizer. So I'm super excited. When I get these shoes, I'm going to uh, post them up on our Instagram so you guys can see them. 
Oh, and yeah. uh, she's a, a amazing talent. Very, very high <laughs> form of art nowadays. You know, all the I, galleries pushing his hand painted shoes. It's really <laughs> impressive. I'm actually. I actually have a couple of comments. One, did, did you did she see a picture of you before she took your money and agreed to do this? No. More okay. importantly, did you pay her the money before getting any kind of proof that you're going to get these shoes? <laughs> You can laugh now, but you will be amazed later. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> this guy's and got robbed, folks. Like, and second, second of all, I got faith in you, Vanessa. And, and second, Juan, second of all, at least for me, does she uh, make shoes in adult sizes too or only kid sizes? Oh. Uh, yeah, she didn't have to special order them because I do have a kid shoe. <laughs> So yeah, it took a, took a week for the baby shoes to get here, and uh, it's less paint though. So kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of expected to knock these out of the park. No, uh, so I'm just and it's inspired by some of your favorite artists. Yeah, some of my so favorite ICP, music artists. Kid Rock. Oh God, that's on one shoe. Don't yeah, the other one's completely dedicated to Fred Durst. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's got like Kobe and SPM and whoever else has been convicted of like assault. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh no, thank you, Vanessa. Actually, we're thrilled to you know have some uh, give you a shout out. Can't wait to see those shoes. And yeah, I'd like to. I'll probably check in with you later because uh, I I love shoes probably just as much as Juan. And the idea of getting a custom pair of shoes that I'll probably wear once or twice for only just special functions is something that's right up my alley. But now to get into the meat of today's episode. Uh, yeah, so Nolan is an artist so nolan first of all what are where do you practice art or what kind of art do you do uh so primarily i'm a glass blower um i have you know a flame working studio out of my garage which is a torch that runs on oxygen and propane uh primarily making pipes and pendants and you know things for consumables um my primary education was in furnace work uh which is you work with a molten bowl of glass and a reheating chamber called a glory hole for y'all. Naturally. And naturally. Um, Familiar. And yeah, yeah, and you make, you know, goblets Jeez. and vases and fancy, fancy bullshit that people will pay more money for, but it takes forever to sell. Yeah. Okay. So did you go to, go to school for that? Is that something you've always been interested? Like, what, what got you into it? So I first started, um, like, in my garage with, like, a blowtorch you know and some rods i bought at a head shop uh my roommate, safe. oh super super duper safe i'm not going to talk about all the cadmium exposure i got <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, fine he's twitching my, all right my lung capacity is only down three percent uh, so uh, mine too right right uh so my roommate at the time was also my drug dealer it's a good economic move early in college let me say and uh, he was super into buying this American-made glass, and so I was trying to break into it a little bit here and there. I didn't really have the money to get the setup I do now, um, but I found out at my school, UTA, you could take a glass blowing class, and I was like, oh, bitchin'. So I signed up for the class, went in there, and like told them I was like trying to make pipes and shit, and just got the cold shoulder from everyone. It was hilarious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so, you know, persevered, did three years education there, ended up changing to sculpture right at the last minute. Um, I'll be pursuing a master's in sculpture. Whoa. Um, but I've almost got, so I've got an electric furnace that I'm replacing the controller on, and then I'm halfway into the glory hole. So I'll be able to do like Venetian blown glass out of my house too. Wow. Cool. Badass. Um, How old were cool. you when you actually started doing like, how, what age? 
Uh, well, if we're getting technical, when I was 19 or 20, I would like make bongs out of, excuse me, water pipes out of uh, liquor <laughs> bottles and shit. And I would like steal chemistry tubes and use like a, like a propane torch. You'd Wait, use you wanted to say water uh, bongs, <laughs> but you're like, but then I was stealing all this shit. No, we yeah, can't. Yeah. <laughs> Don't no. say bong on, on air. No, no it's, it's like a dirty word for pipe makers. It's like, if you're in a fraternity, you don't say frat. If you're a pipe maker, you don't say bong. It's like, uh, really? Uh, I didn't know, I didn't yeah. know this was freaking like a, some rules like Hamlet. You can't say Hamlet. Like uh, the you know, Scottish play. It's like no matter where you are in life, there are people that just like really love to stick their nose up the edge and you got to deal with it. So mm-hmm. true. And we're going to talk a lot about that because the mm. art world is uh, <laughs> riddled quite with full. these fragile ego little fucks. That <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. So like when you like started blowing glass, did you know somebody who else who did it or or what was like your intro into that? Uh, Instagram, man. You know, I started following these dudes that were making dope ass pipes and random dudes doing sculpture. And I was like, you know, too industrious as a young man. I was like, I can buy a blowtorch. I can get some rods. And, uh, you know, was really unsafe and didn't learn much for like a year. And then I started <laughs> taking classes and they were like, oh, the way you can do this and not hurt yourself and others. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was really cool. I got some good mentorship while I was in the program, for sure. Uh, But, yeah, and then, I, you know, you get engrossed in the community. You start going to local studios, volunteering your time. Uh, You know, a good friend of mine, a local pipe maker, goes by Earl Junior Glass. His name's Daring. He's a great guy. Uh, He was in school with me for, like, one semester. We really hit it off. He's been a great contact point for me on the other side of things. Um, But, yeah, so it's just been... You know, you get into anything. The comedy scene's the same way, I'm sure. Yeah, you kind. I just kind of stumbled into it. I met. I just saw Adam at a show one night, and I was like, I went and talked to him a little bit afterwards, and then later on, sent him an email. I'm like, hey, you want to come on the show? And then, literally, like ten minutes after Adam left, I like called Juan. I was like, I think we need to have him back again. (laughs) (laughs) And Adam, the rest has been a crazy whirlwind of success. Yes, the, the highest of heights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the world came to an end. No big deal. Yeah, uh, it was bullshit anyway. Let's be honest. <laughs> we owe 2019 oh. an apology. I will say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, For we real. Thought we bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going through 2019. Like, the, mm-hmm. can the world get any worse? Like, uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, we asked and we got it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, have you always been into artistic pursuits or was this a later on thing that came developed? Uh, you know, it's kind of like always just been something I did to get away from everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had like a super traumatic college experience. So it eventually became the way I was getting away from the world completely. And then, uh, it just now is how I do my life, which is cool because I've got people to pay me for it, which is incredible. You know? No, that's always cool when you can get paid for something that you love to do. Yeah. That class can be very expensive, man. Oh yeah. For sure. Do you do shows regularly or how do you sell regularly? Um, you know, through like uh, Instagram, people hit me up and say like, oh, I like this, but maybe a little different. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do it. We'll like negotiate, um, you know, word of mouth through friends. Uh, before COVID and shit, I would do like called tabling and demos where you like have all your shit laid out on a table and you'll like have the torch on the side and you'll be like working. Mm-hmm. Um 
That's and really like, cool. Yeah, for sure. Bitches love it. Um, head shops especially <laughs> oh, yeah. love when you do that. They'll have you come out and work in front of the head shop, and then people go in and buy whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm just kicking it in the garage. You find work around. If you want, you can go to a head shop and be like, what pipes do you need? And they'll show you something that they're overpaying for, and you can be like, I can undercut that guy. So that's what we'll do. And, you know, <laughs> shysty business practices who, all around. Who, capitalism. <laughs> and people yeah, say capitalism. that artists aren't capitalists. Get out of here. Oh, man. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, you have to be. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we're in America. You know, this is one of the few places you can fucking turn anything into fucking money. Like, mm-hmm. like, I make kombucha because I have a shitty stomach, but, like, if I wanted to, I could have, like, seven or eight kombucha jars going and fucking leave them in the fridge for six months and have my own small batch kombucha brew company making alcohol. <laughs> like, you can do anything. Especially if you're in, like, California or some bullshit where you can sell, like, photo editing and, you know, kind words in the morning through text message. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is yeah. that a thing? Yeah, it's, it's not, not even a thing, felony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about a daily kick in the ass? Like, hey, you're fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> get, out, get out of your bed. Just ask oh, your mom to text ass. you, right? Adam is perfect <laughs> for that. <laughs> oh, I would love like a, a like wake up a daily wake up call. Mm-hmm. Be great. Yeah. Like get your shit together, man. Yeah, uh, it's just Jordan Peterson over the loudspeaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clean your room. Whatever. Uh, what is the other one? Put uh, a fucking plant in there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shoulders back. Big exactly. lobster. Uh. <laughs> How did you run into him? You, you would think that. Him and like the art world would be very different. Uh, well, I'm super into philosophy on the side. Oh, uh, nice. Of, my inspiration comes out of that. So uh, I'm more into like Alan Watts, Ram Dass, those kind of like metaphysics oh, and shit. Ram Dass. Uh, but like, That's Timothy Leary's running buddy, right? Uh, they kind of so. got way deeper into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, he just died a, not that long ago. Yeah. There's a really good documentary old. on Netflix about him. R.I.P. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Now he he lived the longest out of all those lectures, you know, like Alan Watts died of like lung disease or heart diseases. Uh, Terrence McKenna got a brain tumor. No surprise there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so when um, you when he said he, he was expanding his mind, he literally meant a tumor was expanding in his <laughs> mind. Probably near his pineal gland from the 40 doses of DMT he admitted to taking. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> There's adverse Results that can happen from uh, mind-expanding drugs? Uh, yeah. I disagree! Moderation yeah. <laughs> and everything is total bullshit, right? Um, but plants, even. Weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what you said you have a bad stomach. How, mm-hmm. what, what's going on with that? I'm curious, because uh, I do, too. Well, uh, I'll give it to you guys straight. Going vegan two years ago was like the worst thing I ever could have done for my body, but my mind thanks me. So like really? My, my nails got thinner. My hair got thinner. My skin became more tender. I had a harder time building calluses. My stomach got weak. So the stomach quits producing certain enzymes when you go vegan. You know? mm-hmm. Really? Uh, yeah, not just like lactic acid that you need to break. So here's a fun fact. Everyone is lactose intolerant. We just switch from our mom's milk to a cow milk, and that's why no one notices. If you stop for six months, there's lactic acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not an evangelical vegan, though, and those guys piss me the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, the people that were suing Burger King, like, bro, it's fucking Burger King. <laughs> it says yeah. burger in the name. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, because they had burger like juice on their Jack vegan the burger box and expecting Jack in the Box to do you right. Like, this isn't fucking In and Out. Like, 
<laughs> in and out's at least an honest name. Yeah, exactly. They'll they'll tell you they're gonna fuck you. Up. <laughs> right on. Right, that's 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 interesting. Uh, um, so as far as uh, your art goes, your art career goes. After you know, doing getting your master's degree, do you have any goals beyond that that you're looking forward, or are you just taking this more like working just toward your master's degree right now? Um, so I did spend three years in engineering school uh, mm-hmm. prior to a life changing diagnosis, but I uh, there's a sculptural engineering PhD that you can get after you get your master's in sculpture. And I was talking to my one of my professors, and he was like, "Yeah, the biggest limiting factor is all the prerequisites." And I looked them up and like already knocked them the fuck out. I had like calculus done, nice. and physics and chemistry and all that. So. Uh, I've always wanted to be a doctor, like when I was a kid. They're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I want to be a teacher. And they're like, oh, what grade? And I'd be like, I'm trying to teach grown-ups. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they obviously need help. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I you know, got my mentorship in school was kind of like here or there, you know. Um, you know, had some really understanding professors, had some kind of self-absorbed professors. And it was just like, I saw that, and it kind of reaffirmed that thought from childhood, like, you know, there are people like me going through it that really need somebody empathetic and involved and caring and available. Uh, and so that's kind of what I'm trying to afford to some students. So are there different forms of sculpture? Like some, like, cause I mean, I think sculpture, I think like Michelangelo, like working Mar- with marble, like marble and shit like that. Shit. Yeah. Um, so those are like wax based sculptures. So bronze, especially I've done some bronze work. You make your shit out of wax put these like systems of reliefs in a cup to pour into and then you dip it in refractory for like a week like every day you go in there and dip it it's like super annoying and then it's like showtime you throw that shit in a kiln you get a hot pot of metal going you pour it in and it's like make or break it does or it doesn't um which is cool if you're into that um marble and stone is like another tedious way to do it where you're like either working with an angle grinder and a chisel or a hammer and chisel if your life sucks and you're like cutting out sections and you're, so it's like relief sculpting. You have a big thing and you're sculpting into it to make the negative. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, those are honestly the most painful ways to make sculptural art. Um, <clears throat> one cool what thing. Are, I, what are the other ways? Um, so just to give you what one of my professors told me, he, I was like, what's sculpture? And he goes, if it rolls off the table. If it rolls off the table. Yeah. Um, so, so like blown glass would be considered uh, sculpture? Yeah. So as long as it's a, it's a, in the round, you know, it's a 3D object, it's a sculpture. Okay. So Juan uh, would be considered a sculpture. Uh, if Juan, you put him on a table, he's rolling off. Well, it, you know, straight Juan fact. could be a performance piece. You know, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of like a new bullshit thing in art. Uh, well, I like doing it too. You know, I uh, I used to have really bad stage fright, and then this past year, I was like, "Fuck, I'm just gonna go be in this drag show on campus because if I can feel not ridiculous in a dress in front of a thousand people, I can probably do whatever the fuck I want for performance art." And it, I was totally right. Uh, I now can just do whatever with no shame because I lost every ounce of shame I had in that moment seeing the Adventure Time in a dress, thousands of people. Dude, I would <laughs> totally do that. <laughs> yeah, I got the video if you guys want to see that. Super, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Is that on your Instagram? Uh, no, but it could be if you guys have a real point. <laughs> and, and the link is. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, 
you know, one performance piece I did recently uh, was about self-help. And the idea of self-help is being like kind of a futile effort. Um, I went and rented some time at a studio. You know, it's not cheap, like $40, $50 an hour. I made this really kick-ass bass. And then instead of putting it safely in the annealing oven to come down, I just grabbed it with the Kevlar gloves and I like tried to protect it and keep it from breaking. And at the end of the video, it just explodes. And it was like... Yeah. That's the kind of shit they want in art school, you know. <laughs> and so I, I definitely play two sides of it. Cause I'm a very technical maker. I really like to make nice shit, and I like to prove that I'm skilled and everything. Uh, but not everybody wants that. Some people find it boring, and you got to play the scene, you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking like of the go, scene, go ahead. Go, I was going to say, speaking of the scene, you last time I hung out with you what was it three four weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, you had some pretty interesting takes on the art scene. They haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do tell. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. 90% of art out there is total fucking trash. And it's a bullshit. You know what people do? They go and they make from a place of intuition. And I'm not guilty. I, I did this in art school. And then they do it and they project meaning onto this shit from probably some personal stuff going on in their life or something that seemed like it had a parallel. And then they really sell it. They really sell it to somebody who like is naive enough to believe it. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, they were just, you know, full of artistic energy and they made this pile of soda cans and it's fucking cool. And I like the meaning of saving the planet. Um, but that's not art. Art, when you start it, it has to be so fucking ridiculous that you would have never done, like a normal person would have never done it. Um, on the topic of soda cans, one of the pieces I did in my casting class was I'd been collecting soda tabs for like ages 13 to 25. Mm-hmm. You know, I had like a gallon or so or two of these soda tabs. And I went to like an antique mall and I found a turtle shell, you know, like bought it ethically and shit. And then I took a mold of it, got a wax going, and then filled the pot with these soda tabs and casted the turtle shell. And it was about how we're like pissing on the environment. And like, uh, so like, why the fuck would anybody collect soda tabs for 12 years? I don't know why I did it. I'm happy it ended up being art. Um, but that's the kind of like ridiculousness you have to have behind it. You know, like I've heard people say artists are masters of accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like me when I was 13, I popped a soda tab and decided to save it. And that became like a nervous habit. Um, mm-hmm. That was like an accident, but I was like, okay, well now I have this, I have to do something about it. You know, I thought about that for like three years and then I signed up for this foundry class and I was like, Oh, bitching. I'll just make a fucking turtle shell. He had a gallon of tabs after that many years. I would have had a truck. I was yeah. like, I'm so I glad like, I didn't I'm, get that habit. No, I say you're, you're like, I'm like a fucking vegan. I drink fucking water all the time. Most of those tabs are from friends. Like I go to Andy's. And just those <laughs> so are vegans allowed to drink beer? I didn't even think of that. Uh, though they are, but I can't drink beer for other reasons. So, Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know where I'd be in this world. No, <laughs> you'd be smoking weed. Let's be honest, bro. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Oh my God. Um, I'd pay so to see you that. Say, say that like people have like this, this, this story behind their art. And sometimes it's like, all right, how much of this? It's just kind of, you create something and then you're like, you created a story that fits it. Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's like, it can be part of it. But for me, like if you, if you have to have a plaque, to explain why this is art or why mm-hmm. it's deep. 
I feel like that can kind of defeat the purpose. Like, shouldn't it be able to speak for itself? To a certain degree. Um, what you're talking about is good art. Mm-hmm. That, so there's like 90% garbage that exists in the scene. And then there is like 8 to 9%. There's like pretty good and like well thought out and came from people involved and in, in the right mindset for it. There's that 1% that just like slaps you in the face. Damn. Because, you know, like that turtle shell piece I was talking about, until you read the note card that says soda tabs as the material, you're kind of like, why the fuck is there? Like, um, gotcha. One piece I had that was like that, like, ah, the name doesn't even, like, why is my name even on this? So at UTA, we had this super outdated system of giving, like, full page, eight and a half by 11 receipts for everything you would print on campus. And that shit pissed me off for years. Um, and I just would, one day I was just like fed up and it was like, I had like, you know, stroke of genius or whatever, but I was like, I'm going to make a recycling bin out of these freaking receipts and I'm going to leave it in the library. And so then it's like, well, how do you be ethical as an activist? So I had to go get with a surplus and uh, community and like community standards or whoever it's like some bullshit for envi- name for environmentalism, but they were helping me too. And they lent me a recycling bin. I, for like six weeks in this sculpture class, three hours twice a week, was just covering this shit in wood glue and print receipts. And then like the week before it was due, I cut it all out, you know, returned the recycling bin, um, which they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll meet you at the door. And then they were like, just leave it at the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, you know, I... I finished putting this thing together, I got an A on the project, and then I went into the library, and I talked to a friend up there, and I was like, who's another artist, and I was like, hey man, can we put this on the second floor of the library by all those printers? And he's like, yes, dude, we've been trying to get that print receipt shit gone for years, and it was actually instrumental in pushing and moving the gears to get this gone. Um, but you walk, so you're somebody who knows these receipts exist, you walk into the library to go print, and you see a recycling bin made out of them. It's like, it's all being said, you know? Mm-hmm. So you got an A on the project? Yeah. It's like, honestly, one of the only A's I've gotten in art school. They're really like, I'll give you a B to push you harder kind of shit. How is that possible if art is in the eye of the beholder? It's all subjective. How, the, how are you supposed to gr- give it a grade? You know, they say it's on effort, which means it's on favoritism. Uh, <laughs> so, so the real world uh, yeah. yeah exactly yeah so actually yeah. that's a good point yeah so the real world yeah 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 so you know be cognizant of your hierarchy but stand by your personal individualism your personal goals and morals or whatever mm-hmm. um well said yeah you know, some people are easier to sit under than others you know um that's it, that's totally on 100 percent true yeah uh, <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to sit under me, man. (laughs) (laughs) Problems breathing. Well, I knew I was looking at him. (laughs) I saw your face. I was like, professors in art school, and I'm like, oh, I really should have sat in. No, he's kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'd be curious to hear. So, a lot there's a lot of parallels between different artistic pursuits. I've noticed. Like, have, have you run into somebody in the art scene locally? So, like for a comic. Like I'm relatively new, but like, I'll see some people on stage. And I'm like, that's a whole different sport. They're so far ahead of what I where I am right now. Like right. that's what I aspire to be. That's just 
mind blowing, mm-hmm. like how effortless or how they keep the, the audience laughing or something like that. Right. Do you, have you ever run into somebody that was like uh, relatively early on that was just like, like oh, that's going to be somebody who's going to make a career out of this, make a name for themselves and uh, things like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of my, oh, y'all love this. One of my blow partners at school, um, mm-hmm. his name is Lowell and Lowell's a great guy, but Besides the fact Lowell's a great guy, when I started seeing him blowing glass, I was like, oh, this guy's been blowing glass for five years, and he hadn't. He'd been blowing glass for like a year or two. Um, and he was like a real analytical thinker, you know, and he watched a ton of videos on it while he was learning, and, you know, he didn't even finish his degree. He's working as a head gaffer at a studio in Dallas right now. Wow. Um, nice. But, you know, that is like natural talent, self-application, you know, uh, concentrated power of will. He has all of his intelligence behind him. All those things are present there. Um, but it's still until, so they're like a, what in the glass scene we call maestros, which are just like, you know, fully self-realized artists who are like out there. And they're like, you're saying it's, it's effortless to them at this point. They just show up mm-hmm. to work and make and come home to their families and kick it. Um, and, you know, my buddy, Darren, uh, who I mentioned earlier, uh, he's one of those guys. Been flame working for 15 years, supports a family of five off it. You know, incredibly multi-talented individual. Um, and then there's another guy in, who runs a studio in Irving called Mars named Aaron Tate. And Aaron Tate's the best, like, glass blower in the state. Like, he's been doing it for, like, oh, I don't know, like 20-plus years. And... You know, he's he's here with his family, you know, doing the dad thing. But if he wanted, he could be anywhere, you know. Uh, and going to work for him is such an incredible opportunity. You know, you do it for free. You volunteer your time. Uh, but even then, it's like incredible gratitude that I can even be around this level of skill. Nice. And it's probably important so you, in that type of in that type of format to be able to work under someone whose skill level is that good because that's what you need to advance yourself. Right, and you know, we learn unconsciously in our lives, and we're, not, we're like being programmed by the world around us. And so you see, like, you know, my semester or two working with that guy, Lowell, you know, I advanced incredibly, not just from all the pointers and the talks he was giving me, but me just paying attention while he was working, you know. Um, and that's, that's the hardest part for me, is being actively engaged and present in the moment when I'm in there, because I'm such an overthinker. You know, you guys are artists, you get it. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a constant problem. Oh yeah, for sure. You're like, ah, how do I be mindful? What is mindfulness? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, if you've blo- like, this may be a, a completely unnecessary uh, side uh, question, but if you're blowing like a, a piece of glass, if it gets like to a certain point, will it pop or is it like melt apart or like what happens? Um, so there is the people want to know. <laughs> the people need to know this answer. Yeah. Uh, so. In the Newtonian sense, it gets cold and it's not going to go anywhere. And if you let it get cold long enough, it'll crack. In a quantum mm. sense, you can like start blowing it really, really thin from when it's hot. And eventually, it'll be so thin, the pressure of your lungs in that blowpipe and in the bubble will cause it to explode and shatter. Nice. Which is really cool, but will give everybody terrible lung disease if they bring that shit in. <laughs> oh, I was just about to be like, wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, and, and then everyone dies of shrapnel to the areola. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, worse ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where your stomach problems came from. Uh, <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> 
That's where my lung problems came from. I'm down like <laughs> two or three percent lung capacity from not being careful enough around certain equipment. <laughs> so I've so, really uh, ventilation nowadays. So, <laughs> so I, I know my I had an uncle who like um, did like neon work, and he, so mm-hmm. that's the, that's the extent of my like my knowledge of like blowing glass. And right. I know that he had like finger. a little like a, a tube hooked up mm-hmm. to the end of it. I don't know like how does it, how does that work in the like the large larger glass pieces that are blown and shaped and stuff like that? Like neon is just like all it's like words, it's relatively yeah. simple bins. For sure, I, I got an amazing opportunity at UT. They had a non-credit class in glass bending or neon, and mm-hmm. um, interesting that you bring up the blow hose. So that originated in neon. Um, ah. It's it's now been adopted by like all but two glass disciplines that don't have a purpose for it. Um, but yeah, so lamp workers, so flame workers, pipe makers, they're all using blow hoses. Um, you know, glass blowers that are trying to work without a partner are using blow hoses on the bench for their furnace work. Um, so glass or neon is more like flame working because you're working from stock pieces of glass and you're manipulating them. Uh, glass blowing itself, like furnace work, you're, you're pretty much like a hot glob on the end of a pipe and figure it out. God, how do you? Like, I don't understand how you even. That's my right. That's mind blowing that. to me that you can make it do anything. Like, I, I, wow, that's the cool part for sure. Yeah, that's what got me hooked. It's uh, it's definitely like an instant gratification drug type situation for me with glass. Uh, <laughs> nice, but I mean, you know, it uh, it all starts very simple. You learn how to gather you go up to the furnace you stick a rod in there and you get too much glass and you fuck it up and then you keep going again um you know my, fr- <laughs> my first gather i got like terrible heat rash all down my forearm you know and it was like one of the most enlivening experiences i've ever had um <laughs> uh, and so then you know they make you do shapes and then you'll start you'll, one day you come in and everyone's really fucking pumped you're like what's going on they're like we're doing bubbles today and like anyone who'd been into glass before was like, oh, this is the end. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I really, uh, you know, I had about a year and a half learning curve as a glass blower. And it was like one of the most ego crushing experiences of my life. <laughs> like going in for three hours twice a week to suck. <laughs> you know? Yikes. It's kind of yeah. like trying That's to date now, right, Mark? <laughs> yeah. What? It's kind of like trying to date right now. Just three hours of failure the other day. I was like, three hours of failure and a hundred dollars later. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a pair of custom shoes out of the shit. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm going for the shoes. Hey, at least he's paying money and not getting anything out of it. I hear one of you guys had an issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Nolan was telling me he listened to the episode with Dan about fast food, and he really got a kick out of uh, Dan's joke about Adam saving his receipts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, real funny oh, guy, that Dan. That was, <laughs> that was a banger. Yeah. Real clever fella. Real clever fella. I, I think about that one from time to time still myself. <laughs> It's like, God dang, that's why he's a pro. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, it, uh, not to completely change the subject to get the stink off of me real quick, but, um, <laughs> but like, well, so in like, like in the comedy scene, uh, and I'm, just, like, I'm just trying to compare for the experiences yeah, yeah. that I had that are so, at least a little bit uh, similar. There is like a kind of a group think of people. There's like kind of a, a, a perspective that 
that's allowed or that that people are go go along with to where it's mm. like everyone thinks the same thing on like 99% of most topics and anyone with an opinion outside of that is kind of banished. Mm-hmm. Is that similar in the, the actual art scene or is it to where everyone's like, Oh, you gotta be this care about that, care about the environment, care about this, mm-hmm. all, all these other things. And, and if you're just one of those guys who's like, no, nah, I just want, I just like doing this. Right. Like you kind of get outcast or is it, are they pretty accepting? Uh, the art scene is in no way accepting when we say that. Phrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like PC, like PC isn't PC. It's like one of those. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and I don't know how the comments in because I'm sure there's like topics people don't even touch. Um, mm-hmm. But in the glass or in the art scene in general, it's like you're saying like 90% of people are rolling with it, not mm-hmm. getting in the way, you know, getting their gallery openings, filling it up, you know, maybe making it in a museum, working together to get group shows. And then you have those outliers that are either like starting some new shit or are going to crash and burn pretty fucking soon. (laughs) 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 And, and like among other artists, like if I went and met another artist on a personal level who just like hated everything about me and my art, he's like, you still making art? Like, yeah. Are you? He's like, yeah. Look, cool. How's your life going, man? Fucking sucks, right? You know, like, <laughs> as long as you're making, you're respected by other artists because to continue to make as an artist is such an eternal struggle. You know, mm-hmm. you go months at a time where nothing lands. You know, no one even gives a shit about it. No one thinks it's good. You don't get positive reviews. And then you have that one piece that you're like, wow, I found it. And then, you know, it goes to your head and you lose it again. And <laughs> like this ebb and flow of self discovery and. It's, kind of try it's to like get it Tuesdays for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the strip club or what? <laughs> no. It actually is like podcasting is that way. Like I've noticed that because we go through, like I felt like probably like a month and a half, two months ago, we had a run of like five or six episodes where it just, to me, it felt like everything was on point. We mm. were having like, like it was just like constant laughs. It felt great. And then the past like month I've been having to put in extra effort, like expend extra energy, like even just trying to come up with ideas and topics the past probably three weeks has been a struggle, but I learned from being a musician. I learned like, you know, when you lack inspiration or you you can't find that spark of creativity, you know, you're trying to write music. You're like, man, I just don't have it right now. You'll sit there and write like 10 songs and you go back and listen to them. Like these are terrible. Yeah. Like these are objectively terrible. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're creating in an artistic sense, whether it's music, comedy, you know, anything, you know, art, painting, black glass, you, mm-hmm. you have to go through that self discovery again. And I'm really glad I learned that years ago, like probably in my teens, just like keep on pushing forward, keep on sure. persevering because you're going to get out of it sooner or later. Mm-hmm. That's why we keep doing this every week. Like I told Juan probably three weeks ago, I was like, I don't know how, I, I don't know if I can do this. I was like, I'm really struggling. And Juan was like, Hey, he's like, I'll, I'll like, you know, I'll try and pitch in some help, like get some ideas. And right. Juan and Adam have both like started kicking in a little bit more coming up with ideas. And the whole video game episode with Jamal, what two weeks ago is both of them coming in. And that right. was like really great. Cause it brought in like a couple of other perspectives and Jamal came on and killed it. It was a blast. Awesome. And it's, Let's not give him too much credit. If you're listening, Jamal, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I, I think what you're talking about, you know, the funk is something yeah. mo- most artists are just terrified of. Um, and it's like, you know, I have artists come to me sometimes like, dude, I haven't made anything good in like two months. Straight with you guys. I'm like, do you have any history of bipolar or schizophrenia? 
Well, I'm like, go use some psychedelics. Bach is probably <laughs> past consciously. And uh, so guys like me and other people with other issues that can't see that avenue, we have to find other ways out of the funk. Um, so like Mark's saying, you can just like nose to the grindstone. It's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's real easy. Because you're, you're working through... Yeah, you're working through issues as you're making shitty art. A lot of people don't realize. Like, when you're feeling good, you make good work. When you're feeling bad, you make bad work. And that's not mm-hmm. what it's about. It's about me. Um, but one thing that I think people should be more cognizant of is, like, when you're in a funk, identify what's causing the funk. Work through that, and you can defunk yourself. Oh, yeah. But it's what that- if your funk is caused by you not liking yourself in general? There's like, uh, what, how what's do you that like? <laughs> That's the basis of Adam's comedy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just trying to think of a, something that you can't solve uh, uh, funk wise. So a lot of the times, you know, there's like caring for an elderly member of your family. You know, I've seen funk where they're just like waiting for this person to move on. With it. it is just gut wrenching, but they don't even realize they're making. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, this, this sculpture is terrible. Better than your last one when you weren't going through a crisis. And, and that's kind of the, like, the beautiful struggle, you know, it, like, sublimates. In a Life is going through shit. You somehow find a way out as an artist, crushing it, and then you get to the point where you're comfortable and, like, life will give you something. If you're lucky. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> What is crushing it like again? I'm not familiar with that at all. Uh, right, I don't know. I, I have a class on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, Juan, he, we're talking about crushing it in life, not crushing cans. I, have, I actually, I yeah, I got to take care of my can issue. <laughs> Nobody has more crushed cans than Juan. No, they're not, and I'm I, because of COVID, man, and the amount that I drink, dude. I got two two truckloads full. I don't want to return them now. <laughs> At ten cents a piece, He's I don't want to run attached to the he cans. Could, he could probably buy a whole studio's worth of equipment for the podcast with his like aluminum cans. <laughs> probably. He's flush with cans. If you need tabs, man. If you need tabs, Nolan, I got you. <laughs> yeah, send me all your tabs immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he asked for dabs, but he mistakenly texted tabs. <laughs> <laughs> Very I'm going to get a quarter pound of hash in the mail, and I got a quarter pound of soda tabs. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> now that's disappointing. Uh, <laughs> it's art. <laughs> yeah. yeah, could there be a whole art it's like a show with nothing but pun art? It's like the lowest form of comedy. <laughs> and uh, every yeah. art installation is like, like a pun on something Is it really else. seen that way, though? You know, some yeah, of my, comedy? My, my favorite art I've seen is just where, like, the artist is just, like, fucking with the viewer, you know? Uh, like, well, one of my professors told me about this piece that I would have loved. He was like, it was this really intricate space painting, really beautifully, delicately done. And there was just, like, an unshaded thing in the corner that looked kind of like a planet. And it's like, okay, you got me. And he goes and looks, and it's a cat's asshole. and it's like so those ways that you can kind of like flick the frontal lobe of the viewer i think are the best um i'd buy that asshole yeah yeah, i'm sure you would (laughs) (laughs) so that's i'm okay with that to extent because there was the the artistic part of i mean i mean it's tough 
because mm-hmm. they showed the artistry and they can make the, the part that was like, oh, this is a beautiful piece of art. Mm-hmm. And then they were willing to, like you said, like just kind of throw, not throw it away because it was, did something provocative, but like mm-hmm. to where they're like, it's, it's, everyone's going to know that, that, that piece of art as the cat asshole piece of art, <laughs> not the 99.9% other piece of like part right. of the, the artwork. Uh, so like you were saying about shit that hits or misses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of those ones. Like for people like me, it was great. People with shitty senses. Of- <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and you know, that brings up another question. Is your art defined by what you change? You know, like Ai Weiwei is an activist artist who's done a lot of stuff in China, but now is catching flack from like art critics as being a non-artist, you know? Uh, just because there's a, you know, he like takes faces and dips them in paint or smashes them, you know, it's like super modern. Uh, you know, I, I was like walking through the library and I looked over at someone writing a paper. It was like conceptual art, how to appropriate your way through life. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, damn. <laughs> Have you seen that documentary exit through the gift shop? No. Yeah. Oh, you need to check that out. So it's this guy um, who does a graffiti. Well, he actually didn't do any art. He was a photographer, mm-hmm. and like he was really into uh, graffiti, right. and uh, so he like was obsessed with Banksy. Like he was like the the king of that scene, right. and um, basically it's like he has like years of film with him meeting all these different graffiti artists, like the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And he spends a lot of time with Banksy. Um, and uh, he just was around that scene a lot. And then he got into like that kind of like putting up like, I don't know what if it's plaster uh, uh, art installations mm-hmm. on, on buildings. And then he's like, you know what? I'm just going to start doing this. I'll just do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And he like got huge and like right. super famous. He had like million dollar gallery openings and it's all like shown in this, this documentary. Mm-hmm. And then like there's some of the people are like, yeah, he's kind of like, uh, making fun of this whole thing and the other people are like go for it man if you can yeah. make your money and like Banksy was real negative on him but it's definitely a very interesting and well done documentary uh, that was it, the it's artist you're talking about Mr. Brainwash yeah exactly yeah, yeah. okay I do remember this documentary uh, yeah, yeah that, that guy's in the 90% of like throwing garbage at the public and them accepting it yeah uh, but they, they went for it yeah, the guy made sure. millions of dollars but dude the public is gullible as shit I could come up with a million schemes to get money out of the public for art, but I don't want my name to go down in history like that. I know, you've only shared five so far. I am so completely far. fine with my name going down in history like that. Send me those ideas. Uh, <laughs> I'll email you, you my Are you kidding? I'm writing this shit down. <laughs> he said what? Hold on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not too fast, not too fast. I'm trying to write this down. Uh, Article uh, B. <laughs> so, but like, what's the, but what, what, is, what is the difference? So, I mean, I get the, you know, what he was doing, he was like literally printing out other people's art and putting it up on stuff mm. or getting somebody else's art and like spray painting it and right. putting his name on there. He was like, and he, and they show in the documentary, he literally had other people doing his work and yeah. he would just come by and sign it. Super and, normal for an artist, by the way. Yeah, but it was just crazy to me. It's like, uh, I, I didn't know about this. And there's another documentary that's really interesting on, mm-hmm. on, um, the art scene and how it's like, could be a lot of like the high, high, high fine art high quote unquote brow, okay. is like a tax haven. Mm-hmm. It's a way of, and cause they can artificially raise or lower the, the value of a piece of art just mm-hmm. based on one tastemaker saying this. Yeah. It was really interesting. So the critics, you know, when you're talking about 
bowing your head to your professors. When you get out in the scene, you're bowing your head to the critics. And Do you have, wait, are you supposed to bow your head to the professor? Uh, if you don't want to get smacked up in the face, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you don't want to get an A. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, it's like an English class. Your professor likes the point you're driving home. They're going to give you an A, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I'll be damned if I'm going to bow to my marketing professor. <laughs> no, that's why I love <laughs> math classes. I could be a dick to my math professors. <laughs> I wish it was right or wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't uh, seem fair. Life's not fair. What? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So, um, have you ever seen a piece of art, like a famous piece of art, that mm-hmm. you were just like, that's a, that's not a valid... Like, is, wait, actually, let me ask you this first. Mm-hmm. Is there such thing as invalid art? Like that's below the name art or is everything potentially art? There are two schools of thought. One is that as an artist, everything you do is art. The way you drink your tea, the way that you fold your laundry, the way you take a piss. And I'm like, that's a really high pressure way to live your life. The other <laughs> thing is it's art when you make it art. So at the moment I decide, so I like take this Gatorade bottle, flip it upside down on my iPhone. And I'm like, this is art. Then it becomes art, but it's not. And it's not because it's like communication. Like until someone else hears what you're saying, it's feedback. And that's the oh, biggest. Oh, that reminds me of a question I'm going to ask you to follow up to this. Go uh, on, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Enlightenment, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the so your art isn't art until it's received and accepted. Um, I'm going to give you guys a controversial opinion. I don't think Banksy's art is art. Um, like that PC did where it was like it half shredded itself. Oh, that was hilarious. That was a failure. It was supposed to completely shred itself. That piece wasn't worth anything because it failed and he like ran with it. And I thought that was like, maybe it was supposed to do that. No, it it was like admitted in an interview. It was supposed to fully shred. Uh, but you know, from the perception of the viewer, it's stopping right before the heart or whatever the element was, was metaphorical and they found value in it. So it was received, you know, the, the tree fell in the forest and someone heard it. So actually, so like, I'm, it's very interesting that you mentioned that. And that maybe that's something that is, ta- I'm not sure if that's something that as a principle that's taught in art class. So my dad, a uh, really artistic guy, he's really mm-hmm. like big in like the maker scene yeah, yeah. and uh, big in like 3d printing, laser cutters. Right. Uh, he was a, did shirt printing when he, was, he always into something like that, did vinyl, like mm-hmm. always some kind of like artistic or like hands crafty kind of thing. Right. And I was talking to him about art um, uh, one day and I was ranting as I'm one to do uh, against uh, something I saw at like the, the modern art museum mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> he ha- had the similar uh, perspective kind of what you said he's like art doesn't exist until somebody uh, appreciates it right which I com- I completely disagree like, mm-hmm. so if you wrote like or if you created like the statue of David right right but nobody ever saw it mm-hmm. and it was smashed all like to rubble right there are you saying that that was exercise. That was what? A meditative exercise. Bullshit. <laughs> See, this is what my dad said. This has to be some kind of like teachings, like something he learned in college. Uh, how, how is that not art? It's like, it, it was art, whether anyone actually perceived it or not, you had to physically make it. So here's the other thing. There are galleries where they have empty frames on the wall and empty ah. pedestals. <laughs> and, and, and oh my I, God, and, that kills me. Uh, well, I'm so excited is, about his old so man future. So that's more valid. This empty frame is more valid than the, the statue of David that you created that nobody saw. 
if somebody buys it, yes. Oh my god. Because they're buying your idea. (laughs) And artists are propagating ideas. They're not propagating objects. Because if they're propagating objects, isn't that an indictment? Isn't that an indictment? Oh, that is a valid point. No. Because an craftsman point is a valid point. Two two different things. I can make great shit and I can make shit that matters. You know, there's a difference. That's why I have those two sides. Or you could do both. Well, if you're lucky and you find a way to swing it, you know, um, you know, there's, so, it's, so it's like conceptual and formal art is what we're talking about. I, f- I feel like a lot of art and you don't see it on like the, like I said, and this is all very anecdotal. Um, mm-hmm. like my dad was into that kind of stuff. So we would go to like the, these like, um, uh, what's it called where it's like a bunch of different artists get together and they own like a warehouse and then the, the uh, collective. collective. Yeah. And I went to, if you ever want to go check out the most badass collective ever go to Asheville, North Carolina, uh, it's Asheville's like, it was just massive, massive, like multi like location, like warehouses and it's nothing but art and yeah. just artists working in their, their spaces mm-hmm. and they'll collaborate and stuff. Yeah, but, um, it's awesome. But how was I going with this? So I've been around that a lot. And, um, God damn it. I lost my train of thought. I was uh, so worked out. Asheville is a cool place. You know, I, I hear good things about it. I've known a couple artists out there. Um, my, I used to live in North Carolina as a kid though. And it was kind of fucked up because like I came home from grade school and I was like, mom, why did segregation stop? Because they kind of like glazed the fuck over it. It's not history class. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, we used to have different bathrooms. Now only boys and girls have different bathrooms. And uh, in like the 50s, there were a lot of protests. And like, I probably wasn't paying attention, but the general <laughs> theme was like, uh, I, th- I thought this was like a, uh, a glasswork pun. I was like, glazed over. Like, uh, no, that's a ceramic <laughs> pun. <laughs> oh, sorry. But that's what I was going to say. I've never, I freaking brain started working again. Right. So that's one thing I noticed, like I said, very <laughs> anecdotal is that like, there's some of the greatest artistic achievements that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And there's certain just personality types like they're just in, in it for the art. Uh, mm-hmm. and they, they make great work. They're very like kind of crafts, great craftsmen usually. Mm-hmm. And they, a lot, nine times out of 10, you meet them, they're kind of dorky or kind right. of like, uh, just kind of art, like, um, art centric by losers. Let's be honest. <laughs> but, but like same with comedy, right, uh, but, exactly. but, uh, they're not salespeople. Mm-hmm. They're not natural. In fact, they'll like, I see this. I saw it all the time when I would talk to these people, they would not only not sell themselves or sell their artwork, they would like denigrate their artwork. Like, oh, that's a, like, you see something on the corner, you're like, oh, that's really cool. Like, oh no, that I'm scrapping that. I hate that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, they just kind I of- that all the time. Yeah. It's, it's like, so I feel like a lot of these people like Banksy or definitely mm-hmm. whatever the guy was who- uh, Mr. Brainwash. Mr. Brainwash. He was the kind of guy who's like, no, I don't give a shit about the craft or the, uh, the making something great. Uh, but I'm really good at just selling it or, uh, or, or, or turning it into a brand. Right. And it's like, you gotta have one, you gotta have, cause I feel like a lot of art <clears throat> is based on the critics and you could be the greatest art, artist in the world, but if nobody r- recognizes it and pumps or builds you up, if mm-hmm. you're not going to build yourself up, like it's going to be really hard to make, the, make, make the millions. You can still make a great living. Don't get me wrong. But, but is it considered like rude and arrogant as an artist to think highly of yourself? It seems like, uh, <laughs> have you no, met artists? I did. Oh my God. No, it's uh so other artists will hate you for it. I'll say that. Um, if you go in confidently, they'll have their own insecurities that are reflected through you and they'll be like shitting on you. 
but uh-huh. artists in general, you know, like you guys have an ear for comedy. I have an eye for sculpture. Like I can see the smallest thing, like just like a half a percentile in this entire 50 hour sculpture I did and be like, it's garbage because of that failure and that flaw. And that's going to keep it out of a gallery. Um, but that doesn't denigrate everything I learned in it. You know, it doesn't take away that somebody will pay less for it in an auction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's holding yourself to a standard to where you can sell your work for high amounts of money. Because if mm-hmm. people know that you're honest in your work, they'll put more value behind it. Back that's to Mr. Brainwash, and though, it's like this like egoism, celebrity, love of personality. It really irritates me in the art scene. Because, like you were saying earlier, your work should speak for itself. You know, like the fact that I'm like a tall white dude that's personable should not mean anything about whether or not a gallery is going to take my work or if it's going to be perceived by the viewer as acceptable or well or meaningful. Um, I, oh, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I feel like that's, and it's the same way with like music to a large extent. If you're like a some fat ass goofball looking guy uh, or girl you're not going to be a famous artist I'm sorry it's just not gonna, like, you may be the 1% of the 1% I that mean, actually uh, overcomes that fucking but, Biggie Smalls like you know but, they just got to have that confidence to back it up like I said that's like the 1% though yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and I guess it's getting more oh, actually no it's gotten less except it's a kind of it's finally coming back so like back in the day you had all these like Crosby from Crosby, Still and Nash is an ugly motherfucker, but uh, and Mama Cass. There was a bunch of like to where it was music was the most important, and then the eighties happened and fucked up everything. <laughs> and it was all about image, all about image, all about yeah, image. Yeah. And now we're finally a lot of keyboard of solos, <laughs> yeah, a lot of synth, yeah. But but I think we're finally coming out of that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, art should stand for itself. I mm-hmm. mean, if you want like a pop singer. I get it. Where it's right. like a total package. It's it's mm-hmm. like half of it's the dancing, half of it's the song. So wait, uh, art, uh, Adam. You just said art should stand for itself, right? Right. So is music art? Depends. <laughs> yeah, Yoko Ono is not art. <laughs> I support this assertion. Yes. So <laughs> have you heard Yoko Ono singing? So then, uh, where does this cream rises to the top bullshit come from? <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's uh, true, and yeah. it lasts to the test of time. Great yeah. art will last the test of time. Like yeah. this pop stuff, like the, I can't even remember his name, Mind uh, Professor Brainwash, yeah, yeah. that will not last the test of time, mark no, my words. It's already a last. I don't think stock, Banksy will either. No, like, I agree. I agree. I think Banksy's the, the, a bad. But there's our pieces of art, like Escher and, and other like well, like well-named names. The farther you go back, the more you know. Mm-hmm. But like, but that's a, that's a factor of art. Like art has to have been appreciated for overall a decent amount of time. And you can know in the moment, this is a great artist, but can anyone here uh, name five excellent modern day artists that people would recognize? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I was talking earlier about the mark we can leave in history. Um, Mm -hmm. So in my practice and the technical side of it, and then in the conceptual side of it, it's like, you know, my recycling bin piece at UTA was instrumental in them switching to an email system. It's going to be accepted in their permanent collection. Like that's how nice. I immortalized myself in that realm. Yeah. I that, feel like a lot that's doable when you have really good craftsmanship and a really good idea. Yeah. Cause that's, so that's key. It, I heard a great quote. It's like, it's hard to fuck up a good idea like, yeah. in the realm of conceptual art. Um, but in the realm of technical art, 
the way you live past your own death is through a mortal technique. You know, I can mm-hmm. teach someone else how to do something, and then whatever I did to adapt that to teach them is going to live on through who they teach and who they teach teach. And this right. is why people will let you come in and sweep their floors to watch them blow glass, that maybe you can help them out one day. And it's the reason people take time to take on an apprentice and to show them. And it's one of the most beautiful things about it, especially if you're like someone that isn't sure they'll get progeny, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a way that you can live live on for eternity, well, conceivably, mm-hmm. eternity. Yeah, past for your sure. life, which is eternity, so. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it goes down to mastery. Like, that's what's going to get you the long-lasting long last, long uh, history and it just, there's no quick jumping the line for for how to know to do a perfect c- certain brush stroke right. that you freaking pop art is not gonna be able to do that it's just impossible yeah and so and you know even when i was making that recycling bin piece you know i was like three weeks into it i was getting kind of bored and he could tell and he was like i feel like you could push this to where the wheels actually turn and the lid actually opens and i looked him in the face and i was like i think the concept's good enough the form can take a hit and he like fucking smiled and was like yeah i think you're right (laughs) (laughs) but so that's the kind of position you want to put yourself in where you can fumble the ball formally but your your concept just powers it through um, because it's much harder to do. And I've done this a lot from the other side where like, I don't have a very strong idea and I'm having to like push it up through the water with a lot of technique, which eventually works, but it's much more long suffered. Mm-hmm. For sure. Interesting. Yeah, we so didn't... what do you think about the lobster phone? The lobster phone? Art or not art? Salvador Dali's literally a lobster laying on top of a rotary phone uh you know it's like um i'm trying to remember this guy's name but he did the uh the urinal and named it fountain and he also did the wheel on top of the uh chair uh I'm, I, my art history yeah, professors like, are probably scorning me right now but he also <laughs> did the formaldehyde shark right same guy yeah so it's like a, I, he's still alive i think i'm pretty sure yeah he's still alive because of so, formaldehyde but yeah, yeah exactly. he's, 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 he's an institution. <laughs> so it's so the way that artists interacted was with the scene. So there were people taking the art scene real seriously, and they walked up to it and shit on it and got them to smell the shit and like it, you know? And that's what makes it art. It's the disturbance and the acceptance. Um, oh, disturbing I, and accepting? I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like therapy. <laughs> 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 I'm looking uh, in this mirror and do some affirmations right now. <laughs> I am beautiful. <laughs> Damien Hurst. That's, uh, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Um, Don't so, lose weight. You're too sexy already. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, baby. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so it's where, you know, it's like writing a poem. You know, you didn't create the English language. You didn't even create the ideas because they were taught to you. But you can get someone to a place through what you did or said. And I think if your art can do that, then it's achieved its goal. You know, I might not personally like it because I like technical art, but as far as the general populace, that will be accepted and motivated and propagated as the art scene. Absolutely. Cool. So what, like, what would you say is like your next step? So, so you do poems, you do glass work, Mm -hmm. you've done, um, some sculpture, like 
are there? Do you do any paint or draw or? I saw you do some some uh, street art or spray painting. I don't know what the terminology is for that. Um, aerosols. <laughs> aerosols. <laughs> Dude, the art scene's hilarious. Like, are you using fishing line? Like, nah, bitch. I'm using microfilament. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, are you a graffiti artist? Like, no, I do aerosol murals. <laughs> yeah. So it's totally like how you sell it, like you were saying. So tagging earlier. would be slang then, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, one of the pieces I'm doing right now, there's a bridge at this big park by my house. And like, you know, it's it's not uncommon for people to be depressed and go out there and call it. Um, so I'm painting this like, you know, it gets better. We love you. We'll miss you. All this like cool inspirational shit. But part of that is people are tagging over my shit and I'm having to defend my turf and repaint it. (laughs) Is it a big part of it or is that a little part of it? Uh, that's honestly a bigger part of it. (laughs) 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 You know, cause, cause I I did do a lot of graffiti in high school and early college and you know, it, it doesn't take one time of accidentally painting over someone's thing that you'll start a feud. And <laughs> uh, so, like I said, sublimation. <laughs> Turf war is going on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I do paint. I'm, I print make too. I draw poorly. Um, I, for some reason, getting in the third dimension really makes it click for me. Um, otherwise, I'm like having to fight my thinking mind in and out of it to make this 2D thing come to happen. Yeah, I, I always found like I mean, there's something to be said for excellent uh, 2D artwork that can that can come alive or, or yeah, that or look 3D. But I cool. still think that the idea of having like a three dimensional uh, piece of art is next level. It's just because there's so many things you have to take into account. It's just mm-hmm. so many things that can go wrong, and plus it just seems insanely. Maybe it's because I can't. I don't have an artist like a. Uh, anything outside of comedy artistic mm-hmm. uh, bone in my body at all. Yeah. Like I could not do a draw uh, a stick figure like for, to use the, the most overused uh, analogy, <laughs> uh-huh. but I can appreciate it. And it's just like, it's mind blowing how people can conceptualize something mm-hmm. from three, like all these different angles plan out. I don't know if it's, whether it's additive or removing mm-hmm. a, a material right. and, and, and make it a tour. It looks like something real or, or it's, it blows my mind. Yeah. So there's actual a difference in cognitive ability there. Um, and I've noticed this through interacting with painting majors and printmakers and drawing majors as compared to like sculptors and clay majors. I'm like, okay, so like imagine a square in your head, but half of it is a sphere and the, printmaker or the drawer will have to like really fucking try to think that out and the sculptor will go oh yeah for sure um so and it's one of those things like we can't contrive a window in our head like you know the, the painter will come up to me and be like okay imagine a scene and there is like a babbling brook and there's a painting or like a sky in the background and a deer and i'm seeing that in the third dimension where they're talking about seeing it in the second dimension mm-hmm. um so there's validity to both ways of thinking was that before or after you tried acid uh man <laughs> i tried acid the first time when i was like 20 and it didn't really get like i don't understand what was happening um mm. but no I, i've always been a three-dimensional thinker uh, yeah I, so that's the thing and i've I've, t- I've talked about this to a bunch of people uh in general i have like a terrible terrible short-term memory mm-hmm. and i have a borderline impossible time trying to even conceptualize like if i just shut my eyes and conceptualize an apple i cannot get an actual picture to show up 
Right. So uh, it's probably like a high signs of early t- early onset Alzheimer's. You but just uh, do it like a psychedelic and see if that expands your consciousness. <laughs> but but like some people, like you're talking about, some people it's, it's just second nature. Then they they can mm. picture that they can hold it there and then they can create art off of that. It's it, it it's insane to me. Uh, you know, it's like I said, it's no better or worse. You know, me being able to. Oh, think, it's better. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you're saying it from the other side. Uh, so, me being able to think in the round really inhibits my ability to make two dimensional art because then I'm having to translate a 3D object onto a piece of paper and get people to see it as a 3D object from that window. Um, but what if you can't think in the round or the flat? Then you become a poet. Fair. <laughs> you know, the, the most Maybe I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Yeah, I'm, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, bad joke. Did not. I'm sorry. Yeah, because that's terrible. You, you that's know, that's the height of Adam's comedy right there. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I use the word artist uh, very loosely. Okay. I think it's like we're all born artists and society fucks us out of it or something. So. I feel like everyone has to find their art and some of it. I we need to. I, either everyone is an artist in some way and we need to expand what things are considered art mm. or just some people uh, are very unlucky and just don't have an artistic bone in their body. You know, and they're, they're, if everyone uh, was an accountants. artist, we'd have no art appreciators. Um, every, you know, I, like I heard this guy talking once he was like, Oh, we can engineer any kind of person. And it was like, great. We'll have a whole army of do-gooders ruining the world. <laughs> <laughs> get here because yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially being vegan i know all about do-gooder motherfuckers so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so it it's like we need all kinds you know there's no right or wrong way to be a human it's actually one yeah. of the coolest parts about being a human um there is actually one example of a uh of somebody who's doing hum- being a human wrong it's Fred Durst. <laughs> I think you mean the president of the fucking United States of America. Did Fred Durst get elected? <laughs> that, that, that is the natural progression. That is the natural progression where we're going, seen folks. It's right? Kanye 2024. Oh I hope you guys are happy. I oh fucking warned God. you first. I'm not going to run in 2020 because I want to support Donald. Oh, did he finally back out? <laughs> oh, he'd been saying that, dude. It's you guys have seen Idiocracy, right? Oh yes, yeah. Oh, dude, oh, we're so fucking there. This is the 2020 dude. movie. Like, like I'm talking about you. You know, not wanting to have kids because it seems like a bad idea. You know, we need. But more. that's even that's but that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. So that, that ties that into Idiocracy because you're yeah. the person who realizes. No, it saves so many people from idea, so much sadness. Idiots are having kids. <laughs> And so that's going to make it happen that much sooner. Yeah, but fuck the planet anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you can move to Detroit. Come on over. Yeah, because right, right, right. uh, yeah, the but best I, way I could think to end the planet is try to fix it. You know? <laughs> actually, that's actually that's valid. Because think about it. What if we come up with, like, we think that we have a way to to um, completely reverse greenhouse gases. Mm. And they, this is like, this is a perfect plan. We're going to, we're going to mm-hmm. save everything. I say the, round two. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, we do it and it goes wild mm. and gets out of control. And then next thing you know, yeah, we're all dead. So like, how much are you going to give into natural selection? You know, um, like all the Republicans that are like dying like flies because they weren't wearing masks and telling people not to wear masks. Like, Oh, that's natural selection. And karma had a baby. <laughs> but it's uh 
you know, it's hard when it's like your family member, you know, who was the Republican <laughs> out being dumb. <laughs> Uh, and it's harder if it was like you and it was some asshole in the elevator without a mask and you had a mask on and you still got it. Uh, but science doesn't give a fuck about you and neither does art, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah it, Father Time is the only thing that's going to judge judge ideas, people, yeah. art. You know, the great poet Tupac Shakur once said, only God can judge me. Um. He actually stole that from... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 and his his nick he nicknamed himself Machiavelli, right? Yeah, for, I wouldn't uh, put it past him to, nah. to steal some shit. You know, and our, you know, one of my favorite freaking quotes. I think it's a Picasso quote. He says, um, uh, "Good artists copy, great artists steal." Like me going up to the second floor of the library with a trash bag and just pouring these fucking recycle these receipts into a trash bag. They're like, "Do you need that much scratch paper?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I just kept like, (laughs) just stealing it. And you know, I'm not the person to invent a recycling bin. You know, I totally stole that form. I didn't even invent paper casting. You know, it was just like. I had the perfect storm in my head that vomited out into campus and it worked out. And you know, that's really cool when you can master the accident like that and be an artist. Yeah. It's easier said than done for sure. And you don't even know how you're doing it. I'm going to be straight guys. The more I think about it, the less it happens. So I'm just trying to be, (laughs) that is true. That is very, very true. Which Um, is why Juan has been so successful. Yeah, I, I'm one of the more appreciators of art. Like, I don't have a lot of maybe artistic ability that I know of, but I really appreciate people that have talents in all kinds of different genres of, of art, whether it's like a shoe designer, customizer, or a glass blower, whatever. You know, stop kissing I, her ass, Juan. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, I, I'm gonna have to talk to him after this is over about some glass, but uh. <laughs> But yeah, because dude, that's it's amazing to me because I have some stuff that's like I don't know how anyone could have possibly done that in one breath. It's so big, like yeah. I, so so if everyone is an artist, what is Trump's art? Um, shitting on our country. <laughs> he's been able to do it harder than any president since oh, Reagan. I don't know what to tell you. He's a phenomenal <laughs> comedian, man. Come on, oh dude, he is extremely funny. funny I was gonna say. If, Everything if he, about him is fucking hilarious. If he wasn't like ridiculous. kind of in charge of a fucking red button that could end the free world, I'd be casual about it. <laughs> uh, and it's every uh, time have you I done did, any Trump focused art. Uh, yeah, actually, I did. It's a piece hanging on my living room wall in the in the, and it's this big because you want to think about Trump all the time. I get it. Go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's this big plate, and it's like I called it the kitchen sink when I was doing it. So it was just like a little chunk of color technique from here and there and it was just this big like clusterfuck of rainbow bullshit and um and then i had some uv reactive glass set into it and i carved in the date he was impeached and then Mm -hmm. i hung it at his height which is six two surprising for his little man complex and it when you turn the black light on it it shows the date he was impeached and the title of the piece is impeachment proceedings because it's a clusterfuck you know, he was literally <laughs> guilty of one of them. He like evaded arrest pretty much. And they were just like, no, we're, he's a Republican. So we're just going to let it slide. You know, what's uh, hilarious to think about is that er- whoever was the salesman for like orange plaster, orange uh, glass, orange, <laughs> anything was like the salesman of the year for the last three years running. Cause everyone's making like Trump 
focused artwork. Like Jim mm-hmm. Carrey's like he's all, he does all kinds of crazy art, but like ninety percent of it is Trump focused. Right. And just shitting on Trump. Yeah. And it's like and obviously he's gonna be orange in every every painting. Yeah, it's like yeah. dude, that guy, whoever was a salesman for the orange paint co- like paint, co- paint company know, right? paint color it's just crushing it right now banner uh, year and, and you know i actually like i felt like the whole trump art thing was played out and after i'd made that piece and presented it for critique i was like eh, you know anybody could have said this about that you know that's not what makes art interesting what makes art interesting is when you can like clue in on something that no one's paying attention to that everyone should be paying attention to uh a, a piece i'm working on now it's like uh Last jar, I'm going to put a water balloon in it and fill it with concrete and etch rain into the side of it. And then the gallerist will pour water in it here and there. And it's how we mistake the smell of wet concrete for rain because we've been mm-hmm. so indoctrinated into society. Rain should smell like wet dirt. And so There's think, a word for that. There's a word from the smell that comes from wet concrete. I can't remember what it, what it is. Uh, in American, like some people- it's rain. <laughs> yeah, well, that's some people's like favorite smell. There's like yeah. there's like a chemical thing that happens. I can't remember what it is. I'm not explaining it well. Okay. But I listen to this podcast um, called uh, All Fancy Everything, mm-hmm. and they basically just fancy draft like a bunch of different random topics. Mm-hmm. And they did favorite smell, and they brought that up. And then there, there is a word for it. I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Look it up. Um, so you know my ability to blow a vase, my ability to find a way to cast concrete into a shell. You know, my ability to etch the word rain on the side of it, my like conceptual breath behind me that tells me to put a double loop through the A so that it indicates deception from espionage as a reference. Um, All that technical skill is lost completely without that idea of like, I hate that we mistake the smell of concrete for rain. So can you imagine... uh, Sorry, I was listening. (laughs) Are you high? (laughs) <laughs> so that, kind of what I was saying earlier and like the, the there's only really one allowed thought in a particular artistic and it seems like more in art art than anywhere else. So this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you imagine if somebody was like, just like great technique, great technical artist, absolutely phenomenal, like undeniably great. Yeah. That was just a huge Trump supporter and like just did all this pro Trump art. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine would anyone buy it? Number one, Oh, would everyone say he's a hack, or like, oh, what would the what do, you, what would you think of the reaction would be of that? So there is actually, and I'm going to pull this piece up because it was a you know, a very technical oil painter, and he did this beautiful oil painting of like Donald Trump like looking sad with the Constitution and the Bible and the keys to freedom, and like all these historical figures supporting him, and. You know, I promise you some fucking dirtbag Trump supporter bought it for lots of fucking money, but it just caught endless flack from the scene um, because of how controversial it was. But regardless of the fact that I disagreed with his stance, I thought it was an amazing piece because it stirred the pot. Right. And I think that's... But his car- do you think his career has any jeopardy of just being over forever because he uh, did this? Even well, And was the art, was it... Necessarily taken aside one way or the other. It's just the fact that he didn't. He made a piece of art that wasn't overtly making fun of him. Uh, so it was actually a piece glorifying him because he looked sad. Yeah, it was like saying that you know he's not getting the support he deserves, and that you know like freaking there were like pieces 
and people there from black history. You know, there's like Robert E. Lee was in the picture, uh, Reagan, Nixon, like all these presidents were there in support of him. And like, which pissed me the fuck off, you know, because I don't support him and what he stands for. But wait, Robert E. Lee was in support of Donald Trump. Shocker. And there were also, like I said, some black I feel like Robert E. Lee might have been dead for a couple hundred years before Trump was even born. Well, it's an oil painting. You know, they can make it look like whatever they want. So this uh, guy's pro... That's what I'm trying to say, understand. Is like That seems like somebody who's pro, like, con- conventionally racist slash just Republicans. So yeah. Robert E. Lee, that's like... The guy was in the Civil War. The guy was sure. like a... Is it an icon for the South? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's laws against flying rebel flags now. It's like great. And, you know, I disagreed. Is One, that great, though? Uh, well, it depends on your idea. I like that I we mean, can't fly British flags anymore and we can't fly French Because they wrote the law is like, you cannot fly the flag of a vanquished enemy. Which is so America, you know. <laughs> 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 uh, you, so I think that you should be able, like, in my opinion, I'm, I'm like a like a free speech absolutist. Like right. as much as I can dislike what somebody's saying, unless you're mm-hmm. like doing fire in a theater, like to where yeah. you're literally trying to cause physical harm. Just like with art, like as mm-hmm. much as I can hate. Uh, so there's like this this piece of art. I don't hate it because of the religious aspects. I hate it because I think it's. Uh, not real art. And uh, there's this guy, I, I actually had to look him up because um, mm-hmm. I give him, they use this example. I actually have talked about this this topic at, at length. Uh, this guy's named Andres Serrano mm-hmm. and he basically had a, like dropped a crucifix in a like a mason jar of piss, piss, his own piss. Yeah, called Piss Christ. This is a big yeah, and This is why like the federal government stopped funding a lot of work. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's, and that's to be like, that's fine. Like, you can, you can say what should or should not be funded by uh, taxpayers. That's fine. But should he not be able to do this? Absolutely not. He should be able to do it all he wants. Mm-hmm. If he wants to sell it and make money off it, good for him. As long as it's not doing something illegal and right. something that, and there should not be a law against doing this. So I'm an absolutist. As much as I think it's not art in this example, mm-hmm. uh, I fully support somebody's ability to do it. And, uh, uh, you know, we take that away. It's a scary, uh, it's a slope. slippery slope. Yeah. It's like with firearms, you know, you got to be careful. Um, so the thing about the piss Christ piece that really grinded my gears was it was in dissent of the Catholic church. He was making a statement that was on the moral majority. I felt like, and he got backlash from it and it was because it wasn't well received. You know, it was too vulgar was the punchline and people didn't mm-hmm. want to hear it um you know I He's person- a, does he have any famous art out other than that uh i'm sure he has because it's like any public i feel like he's good he's killing it with this controversy like, yeah the, i so, wouldn't even know who this guy was if it wasn't for this and this yeah, is before i was born well exactly. not before i was born but shortly after i was born um so yeah that's kind of the question you know is it worth risking your reputation to put your face on the map Exactly, yeah. I think so. I don't have a very big willing to fuck up my whole perception in reality. So <laughs> I'm telling you, there's this whole lane Me of too. pro-Trump art. You can put yourself on the map. There's going to be thirty percent of America that's going to buy bro. your shit. You're selling out. Well, that's what this guy did. He sold out. Like he's. I, I mean, this may be some big anti-Catholic Church thing, but like, this does not look like art to me. 
Like this is not. This is. He literally dropped a crucifix in a, a jar of glass. So what makes uh, art. that art is the fact he's a photographer. Most photographers don't set up their work. You know, they just go out in nature. They find a controversial riot scene and take it. Oh look, this Buddhist monk setting himself on fire. I'm famous. Like you didn't tell that guy to set himself on. <laughs> well, fire. he kind of he kind of committed to that one. Yeah, <laughs> he really there. Um, so. You know, this guy setting a scene, you know, filling a mason jar with piss, not a comfortable, you know, this is uh, what I was talking about earlier, a ridiculous thing to do. Um, so filling a mason jar with piss, kind of a ridiculous thing to do. And then to drop a crucifix in it as a Catholic person, even more ridiculous. And then to take a breathtaking shot of it. Like it is a good it. shot. I'll yeah. give him that. Uh, uh, the picture so, I pulled up uh, whenever I looked it up is a, it looks cool. Uh, so I'll give him that. Yeah, the cross so was he, right side up, though. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't Peter. For the, pic, it was the, Jesus. Pi, the picture uh, I'm seeing. So and so in that case, as I'm getting fired like, tomorrow for having this on my work computer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so right there, you know, you admitted it. It was an excellent shot as a photographer. That's all his technical skill requires of him to take a good shot. The content defines him as an artist. But the craftsmanship as a photographer is if he got that good shot or not. You know, I can't, I can't frame a picture. You guys can see it by my art on Instagram. I'm terrible at taking pictures this year. That's why I'm a sculptor. Um, on the topic of believing in freedom, uh, if you guys don't mind, I have a poem I recently wrote called Righteous Political Outrage. Go for it. All right. Uh, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to be heard. You have the right to lash out. You have the right to observe. You have the right to noun a verb. You have the right to be the problem or help in the solution. You have the right to control your own reality or help in life's illusion. Solidarity can be achieved through group action. Rights under legal subjugation fall short of moral obligation. We are given a higher calling to serve our planet, even if we do not want to live here. Primary alteration of our culture's sacred text states we can freely flap our vocal cords so long as we do not shout fire in a crowded theater. What if I told you you have the right to shout fire in a crowded um, I lost my place. Hold on. Uh, you have the right to upset the setup and burn it to the ground. If our institution respected its people, how many would really be down with the get down? Do the glorified revolt know it is the oppressed who risk our lives at the hands of a deadly virus and be met again with violence to our social unrest? With a pre-revolutionary income gap, how can they not see it coming? Burn the flag, destroy the fascist corporate theocracy. It is the duty of the people should a government be oppressive to disband it and start a new one. And damn right, we have the right to remain violent. So what if... Hell to the Chick S. That's good. That's, that, that was good. What if Chick-fil-A offered you a million dollars to like have to buy that poem? They were going to put it like, like on, uh, on all their stores. Like this. We really care about this. Mm -hmm. We want to buy this. Would you sell it to them? No, because I support the gay community. Oh, that's a million dollars. I don't give a flying <laughs> fuck, dude. I'm not an art for the money. <laughs> Obviously. I'm kidding. I, I just had to quickly test. I was like, okay, let's see how serious this guy, how down yeah. for the cause this guy is. Uh, and so that's the other thing. You know, my mom asked me to stop protesting because she was scared I was going to get sick. And I did. You know, I support it from where I can, for what I can do. The point of that poem was to express myself and to be heard by a viewer. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which... So the, the protests, like that, obviously, you know, it was important. It was, everyone thought it was important enough to kind of risk, basically, like you said, like risk your life mm -hmm. to to protest this. 
you said earlier that the Republicans dying in droves because mm-hmm. they don't take the take things seriously. Right. What I mean, there's two sides of that coin. Like, what if like what if all these people who have protested died? Would people be like, oh, they died for a worthy cause, or they be like, oh, these these people weren't taking this seriously. They went out into the streets and then they died. It's, so from where, from the view of our culture, they would be heroes. You know, from the view of nature. From the show, The View, they would definitely be considered uh, heroes. Yeah, yeah. But Fuck you, J- Jory Behar, if you're listening. <laughs> so, from the view of That's nature... That's my new thing. They, they Fuck are- you if you're listening. <laughs> Shoutouts. Uh, They're not. Uh, <laughs> Patent pending, TM, who, uh, who, uh, copyrights. Who of this show, right? Not oh! yet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, you know, the important thing is like from the view of nature, the Republican who's getting picked off for not wearing a mask and the liberal who's getting picked off from going out in the streets when they should be at home. Same dude. <laughs> they're what our species didn't need and they're getting fixed. But yeah, that's yeah. Coronavirus does not care uh, how uh, woke or unwoke you are. That's uh, that's, that's a hundred. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> you know, nature doesn't give a flying fuck about you. And this art. No, um, not to mention, I think a lot of uh, conservative people did join in on that protest. I mean, it, it showed that, that it mattered a lot to yeah. a lot of people. And so I think that's been one of the cool things about the protests and the virus in general is it's unifying people that were otherwise split. You know? Like, yeah, but has it done, like, it unified us, people who were otherwise split, but I feel like it's also splitting us up, up again, like all anew. Mm, that's one, one thing that frustrates the hell out of me about about the protest, which I'm all, you know, all for if you, mm-hmm. if you care enough about it, it's a good message. But then like, once you've proven that this is an important thing, have we asked for anything to change? Is any, like any realistic, I know like, or like Portland and, and, uh, Seattle are on their own, uh, tip, uh, asking for things that are never going to happen. Right. But like, have any con- concrete changes happen from, from that? Well, were you were any even asked for? So you know, the NAACP set out a list of demands at the beginning of all the protests, and mm-hmm. most of what President Trump's executive order that I promise you he didn't write uh, was just meeting those demands. Uh, so in that way, it's justified and achieved from a legal level of like we made a change, but the protest will continue until justice is served. Yeah, but what, oh God, dear God, I uh, I'm afraid it's going to happen. But it's going to be stay off the streets kind of a day because if any of those cops, which I, I would be surprised if one, at least one of them didn't get some kind of a light sentence, mm-hmm. just cause, like we we don't know all. The, like, I'm not saying that, that, that I don't know enough about the story, but like, yeah. can you imagine? Because we've built up this all the hype tons mm. months on this point certain places of this we're taking we're clearly taking this seriously mm. uh, this is all we care about right now and if one of those people don't have the hammer come down on them mm. it's gonna be mass chaos so 
I don't know how we got on this topic, but it's okay. (laughs) Don't believe the hype soon later. Um, So if the government's smart, which it's not, but if it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and slowly go ahead and stop you right there. (laughs) Um, So if they if they were smart and they wanted to give someone a life sentence, they would put up the illusion of a like a life sentence or a death penalty or something, and then put that and Epstein his ass and get him out of the country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just like put him into witness protection or move him to a different spot with no extradition. And, um, but isn't that crazy? That's, that's, that's literally giving up on due process. That's literally giving completely into mob, uh, rule. Yeah. Due process gives up on the poor every fucking time. (laughs) Well, no, I, you know, I'm not going to argue with you on that, but like, (laughs) that's what we're, that's what I'm worried about that this is setting up. Is it setting up that the mob mentality, uh, for good or bad, like I said, Mm -hmm. there can be justifiable mobs for Mm -hmm. sure. And like, well, how do you think America got started? It was right. a revolution. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, we're like, fuck the British. We're gonna fuck up our own shit later. We're gonna get <laughs> dental plans, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, but everyone like, gets health insurance. <laughs> but like, you can't do things based on like popular opinion. You have to do stuff based on like law and precedent. And like, so as an artist and someone who fucking hates society, I can do whatever the fuck I want. If I was trying to run society, I have to kneel to them. I have to beg them to act correctly. The government failed us that we're having these riots. The government failed us to control these to n- protest and not lead to riots. You know, it's it's the job of the artist to disrupt society. It's the job of the government to control it. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting thought. Uh, and to the extent, like, yeah, you should be able to you should be able to go right up to that ledge. Without any fear of reprisal, right? Uh, and that's mm-hmm. that, that's the problem is that you can't kind of you can't. But that's the thing is like, you go right up to that ledge, go right up to that ledge, go right up to that ledge, like you're teetering with the ledge. <laughs> it's like, and then whenever you, you accidentally uh, get shocked by the 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 gate or whatever the whatever's on that ledge, mm-hmm. and you're, you get upset at that. You got shocked, like, well, I mean, you're you playing with fire. It. Yeah, and the only and if you're smart, you'll have a good laugh at yourself and go on with your life. Um, that's what I, I do. Don't think that, I don't think that's, <laughs> no, what Americans are you talking about? <laughs> right, <laughs> that, get a good, that get a good laugh out of like, oh, I got what I deserve. I'll move on. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. they're tweeting. They're they're way more egocentric life. than that, right? Um, yeah. So you know, do you think any of this rioting was still? I, I get, like I said, the initial thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Fully support that. Right. I'm glad that it happened. Like I said, it showed great solidarity at the risk of a lot of people, which I thought even means even more. So they mm-hmm. thought it was not only was it serious enough to make mass movements in all these different cities, right. but people were like, we're going to go risk uh, this, this potentially deadly virus mm-hmm. um, for it. Right. And so I'm fine with that. People mm-hmm. took that. They had their agency. They did that. But do you think that it would still be going on? Because what is that? Like almost two months now? Would you think it would still be going on if coronavirus wasn't going on to where like millions of people are out of work, literally nothing else to do? So, do you think that this would still be happening? So um, I think it wouldn't have been so volatile. I think that the setting was ripe, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah, it was like a perfect storm. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is great. You know, that's what society needs to move forward. It's like you have a personal crisis and you're like, damn, my life really sucks right now. And then you grow out of it and you're like, you know what? I won that bad shit. 20 years later, we'll be like, oh, that was weird 2020 shit. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, this this year's going down in history. Uh, for good or for bad, right? <laughs> oh, for, I think at this point, it's got to be bad. Uh, we still got, what, fucking four months left? We could turn this shit around. I was going to say, we could turn this shit around. Office. This year, unless they come out with the cure for baldness, it's going to be a bad fucking year. <laughs> uh, what, yeah, then we're all they, handsome? If they do, That's not fair. If they do, I'm chugging this up as a win. Uh, you know, I, I, I fucking, if Donald Trump, forget about the 200,000 people dead, you know, at least one win could be that the president doesn't get reelected. Right. You know, I think uh, that's a very strong possibility. Uh, uh I would, barring bar, you would, barring the most absolute, absolute colossus clusterfuck of the last two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a foregone conclusion. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Then again, I was, I was surprised we got elected. So, yeah, same. so half um, empty then, eh? You know this is a pro-Trump podcast, right? <laughs> uh, oh, guys, I got to sign off shit. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize what's going on here. Oh, my God. Uh, Mark, I, I, or one, I assume you meant to make that joke. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I just had to aim right into the ground. Uh, not, just mess with you, dude. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, what have I got myself No, into? no, I'm, I'm not that into <laughs> politics. I'm going to be straight. I know we're all people at the end of it. Um, oh, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all fucking with each other, I'd hope. No, if anybody's taking this yeah. serious, please stop right now. Even the listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get some angry emails. I know. Somebody's, gonna do, uh, somebody's like, I went and charged City Hall after hearing that poem. And I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> no, no. After this podcast, people are going to be charging City Hall saying, bring Jim Croce back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need Dude, veggie hey. dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking It'll be which, like the most ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I love ridiculous. Please, nobody protest in the name of this podcast. That's the worst thing you could do with your life. Actually, do it. Protest in the name of this podcast really <laughs> aggressively and detract from more important issues. Like <laughs> <laughs> literally, the only person who's done more uh, to harm the the peace and tranquility that could be America uh, is uh, Limp Biscuit and uh, uh, I'd give it up. To anyone McDonald's. else in New Metal? <laughs> New metal, oh god! Uh, but uh, how do you feel about Jim Croce? Serious question. Uh, remind me who Jim Croce is. God damn it! <laughs> Just the songbird of his generation. <laughs> he Why is did a... Kurt have to die? It's a folk rocker. Uh, I like I like folk music. Uh, I'm a folk rock guy, guy who died before his time when he was twenty-seven. Uh, wow, yeah. one of the club members, huh? Yeah. Actually, I think he died after that. I thought it was. I was wrong. But that was Died in like, what, lies. 1983, I think? Who? Jim Croce. We're still oh. stuck on Jim Croce. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Let, this, let him go. Yeah. <laughs> Rust, the rest place. of us have. So. All roads lead to Croce. So oh back to God. veganism. Uh, <laughs> so. Croce was vegan. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I'm like not a hundred in support of everyone being vegan. I think that would totally fuck our planet. Because uh, <laughs> at, at this point, you know, we've got forty thousand edible planets, and we're really churning the fuck out of these same three animals. So everyone <laughs> stops eating them, and guess what? We got too many fucking animals, more greenhouse gases, more population issues. We're going to be like we were during colonization where we're like, kill all the buffaloes. They're fucking shit up for us. Like, kill all the chickens. Oh, my God. Why do we have so many? Uh, um, so kind of back to what we were talking about, about meeting all kinds of people in this world. We need people mm-hmm. like you guys that eat meat. I mean, people like me that take out the plants that scream less when you kill them. 
<laughs> the carrots. It is the Holocaust. <laughs> we are going to, uh, and I can make this joke because I'm Jewish. Like we need to annihilate the lettuce. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Am I going to have to uh, cut that? <laughs> definitely had family that survived the Holocaust. Uh, you did? To, yeah, for sure. On my mom's side. That's how they got to Argentina. They were fleeing. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, so we can make So jokes we about did that. an episode about the Holocaust. If you want to really? go back and listen to that, I'll, I'll send you a link to that. To, yeah, as long as it's not depressing. Because my mom had us watch like Schindler's List and shit when we were way too young. It totally fucked yeah. us up. Oh, dude, that's way too young. No, yeah. I, I'll i be honest. We tried to, like, Juan, when I told Juan we were going to do an episode on the Holocaust, Juan was like, how are we going to make that funny and still be respectful? And we mm. kind of found a way. And I tried to, like, skirt around some of the super disturbing stuff, but it wasn't the easiest thing. <laughs> yeah, actually the Croce's death was called the, the oh my rock Holocaust. <laughs> well, RIP. It's it's a I, what did I miss? Topic. I'm sorry, I had to go get my my laptop charger. Uh, <laughs> we're just talking about the Holocaust now after switching to veganism. <laughs> uh, what what other I'm Latino, we could play on that protected class if you guys want. Oh, why not? <laughs> Let's go. All right. So uh, my first job was picking right. fruits with the rest of the Hispanics. Really? No, I had this thought experiment. <laughs> yeah, for real. I, I was eleven. Asked a lot of people. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you seem like a kind of like um, you know the, improving the world is important and uh, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, kind of you say also kind of some anarchist kind of a uh, tinges. Yeah. But uh, if like you, and you have to suspend what's real. What's possible possible to know mm-hmm. but like if you could if this is completely up to you you're the only person who has any input on this you're god for all uh intents and purposes right. Judeo- okay Christian god right and there you're told look no one will ever have to starve ever ever again ever mm-hmm. but the way we're going to solve this is we take People, when they die of natural causes, nobody's mm-hmm. getting killed for this. Right. And we utilize their, like, their proteins in their body mm-hmm. and turn it into a sustainable food source. It's like mass cannibalism, matrix theory. No, no, no. no. <laughs> nobody's dying because of it. You know, it doesn't look like a human. You're not having to like, eat somebody's thigh bone. Uh, cannibalism like, is the act of eating human flesh. Not so like, that someone had to die for it. <laughs> well, like, it it could be skinless. Cause. It's it still can be skinless. skinless. If you're eating skin a human, animal, is it kosher? <laughs> it's not so kosher. You say, it doesn't have a split hoof. Uh, uh, <laughs> the cloven hoof. <laughs> yes, and it, it doesn't have scales. We can't eat it. How many stomachs <laughs> does it have? So it's got to have at least seven, motherfucker. Correct. <laughs> I, I bet you it's less deadly than a pangolin. I'll put it that way. Uh, oh, you leave the pangolins alone. They're a beautiful murdered animal. So, um, you know, societies, they're African tribes where they eat people all the time and that's casual as fuck. It's respectful to their dead. You know, um, do I think that's cool? Not even when I ate meat, bro. <laughs> yeah, but like it, I, and you know, so you wouldn't sign off of it. And so world hunger stays where it is. Um, yeah, but that's just based on like, so I kind of subscribe to like a more Eastern view on the way God works that we're all kind of like reflections of it or like nodes of the same iteration so in that way like an incarnation that's going to struggle is enjoying the struggle because next time it'll get to enjoy it you know but the uh, same kind of a token is there anything in eastern philosophy that says like uh your body after you're dead is completely sacred and should not be like touched 
Um, not any of the ones I subscribe to. Personally, once I'm dead, I don't give a flying fuck. Same. I'm an organ donor. I don't give a damn. Yeah, exactly. Like, put me in the dirt. Please don't cremate me. But if you have to, whatever, mom. Not me, man. I'm (laughs) coming back to hunt. Why why don't you, just out of curiosity, why don't you want to be cremated? Uh, I think it's a crime against the earth. You know, we talked about carbon emissions. Like, you could either feed the planet you ate, or you can fucking kick yourself up in the air for social nicety. And I think that's dumb. Well, carbon-wise, what do you think takes up more the fuel that it takes to burn incinerate somebody or the 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 ingredient stuff that make a casket oh i don't believe in caskets either i think the worm should get to you faster than <laughs> i can make a lot of emergency candles out of my ass <laughs> so, so you, you just want somebody to like <laughs> make a, dig, a, dig a hole and just toss my body uh, mm. uh preferably naked uh into it and right. then that's it's done so that's your uh, preference? Yeah, and I want to be holding... This counts every... as a living will, by the way. Okay, cool. Great. <laughs> uh, so I I hope that, you know, I have every sentimental object on me possible that my family really wants, and they put me in the ground with lots of money that they could benefit from. Now you're talking. Casket, <laughs> and then I'd like them to destroy the environment with a bulldozer because they're too lazy to dig it with a fucking shovel. And then I'd like for everyone to show up and risk getting coronavirus at my funeral to make me feel better about myself. And you might be an ancient Egyptian. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <laughs> back to my first near-death experience when I broke my face on the curb at 19. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally, I, you know, I, uh, I severed my brainstem or something. Pupils are unresponsive. And I had that Egyptian, like, struggling to judgment, heart going on the scale experience. And I don't know why that happened. That was fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a, what's called a near-death experience. Uh, for sure, they said they were surprised when I came to in the ambulance. I said, "Me too, man. How's your day going?" <laughs> Keep it casual. Keep yeah. it casual. Um, Still alive, <laughs> motherfucker. Haven't gotten me yet. Uh. So, Nolan, before we wrap up, do you have uh, some uh, like uh, Instagram tags or anything you want to share? Places where people can check out your art if they want to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on Instagram as no land art. No, like you know something. Land, the opposite of water. Art, the opposite of science. Is <laughs> it the opposite of water? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is a philosophy <laughs> podcast again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I actually, I love philosophy. I can talk about uh, random hypotheticals oh, and stuff like that. We'll, for, we'll go for, for hours. hours, man. Yeah, get my contact information through Mark. I love diving into all that shit. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. So yeah, so yeah, if you anybody out there wants to check out Nolan, find him up on a uh, actually I'll put your contact information on the show notes too. Great. So okay. if you didn't catch that, anybody just find it in the show notes. You know, I'll put it in there because then that way you can go check out his art. And yeah, here on you know this podcast, you know, we are mostly about comedy, but we do understand that comedy is an art form. And I do like to support artists and I would like to get other, you know, other people that I think are creative or artistic on this show because you know a lot of people I think need more exposure and more voice and Nolan is hilarious in the (laughs) same sense too and so I was like after the first couple times I hung out with Nolan I was like this dude's fun and then the last time I saw him he was we were talking about the podcast and he's like dude you know could I come on I was like heck yeah that'd be amazing so thanks for coming on no thanks for having me what city are you in or do you have your stuff displayed like are there any places that you write go to like so, consignment shops or anything where people can yeah, pick I, up some of your work based out of Arlington, Texas, a gallery called Vetro glass out of grapevine currently holds some of my work. 
um, you know, contact me through Instagram. Wait, Arlington is that outside of Dallas? It's yeah. in between Dallas. Get this guy off my podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Fuck so, the Cowboys. Uh, I'm kidding. Oh, they've been having such a great run in recent years. <laughs> so, uh, no, but I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's been it a, was a pleasure. Time, you know, definitely. Have you ever heard that, that audio clip of uh, Jerry Jones saying, I need to have that glory hole? No, but it doesn't surprise me because Jerry Jones is a filthy animal like our president. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been talking about blowing glass. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, he's such a proficient. He could support the arts. Right? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that earlier, that was the first thing was that clip of him saying that. Mm-hmm. Like First thing that popped into my head, not even the dirty stuff, just that goofy ass clip mm-hmm. that they, uh, they play on the radio all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a real soldier of our city. He didn't displace tens of thousands of people to build a stadium for no cost. Um, yeah, they tried to get political again. I appreciate you on the show. And name it Jerry World. I yeah. know, right? And then they'll get sponsored by a freaking multi-mass company that fucking... AT&T also oh. corporate it mm-hmm. in Dallas. Yeah, and you know, they're like the biggest lobbyists in the game funding three. Yeah, see, um, see, that's the big difference between Dallas and Houston in general is that Houston doesn't support uh, awful companies... Uh, you know, just forget about Exxon, uh, <laughs> Shell, uh, how those oil companies destroyed the entire, <laughs> yeah, the entire American oil industry. Uh, don't worry about them. Yeah, we're all Texas. Everyone else is great. So above those board. other forty nine bitches. Straight looking at exactly. you. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so yeah, thanks Nolan for coming on the show. It was a blast. Uh, those of you out there, take a look at his work. And yeah, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Bye bye. questions that probably shouldn't be asked during the podcast as somebody who blows glass no i'm kidding (laughs) uh eat ass and blow glass yes (laughs) oh my god true i I want one we'll talk later